Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Before I dive into Colossians, though, there's something that I, I don't know if we've shared with you in this series so far. And, and that is simply that the idea for this series actually came uh, from a book that um, is a pretty popular book. Uh, it's, it, too, is called Boundaries, and it was written by two Christian psychologists. Actually, I became aware of this book about 15 years ago when I was attending a church in Tempe, and the pastor over there did a Bible study on this uh, concept of boundaries, and I just found it to be really helpful for my life. I want to share a a few things from the dust cover just to sort of bring us back into this series and what this series is uh, meant to be about. One of the things that uh, you will find in your own life, maybe, I certainly found in mine, is just this sense that sometimes there's a lot of conflict in, in your relationships or that your relationships aren't quite under control. So listen to what he says on the dust cover. Are you in control of your life? Do people take advantage of you? Do you have trouble saying no? Christians often focus so much on being loving and giving that they forget their own limits and limitations. Have you ever found yourself wondering, can I set limits and still be a loving person? How do I answer someone who wants my time, my love, my energy, or my money? It goes on to talk about several kinds of limits that we all need to think about and and that we're talking about during this series. Boundaries are personal property lines that define who you are and who you are not and influence all the areas of your life. There are physical boundaries that help you determine who may touch you and under what circumstances. There are mental boundaries that give you the freedom to have your own thoughts and opinions. There are emotional boundaries that help you deal with your own emotions, but also disengage from the harmful, manipulative emotions of others. And finally, of course, there are spiritual boundaries that help us distinguish God's will from our own and give us a renewed awe for our Creator. So if you are a guest here today and you're just now stepping into this message uh, that the the series is called uh, Boundaries, that's kind of a good review of what this series has been about so far. Uh, Pastor Dan's talked about uh, defining boundaries and developing boundaries. I bring the book up because it's It's a helpful resource, and you may want to consider uh, getting it and looking at it. It has a lot of practical examples about how boundaries can work and and practical strategies for this, many of which, obviously, in in a message, we're not able to get down to that level of detail. And the name of the authors are Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. So check that out if you want. I just found it to be a really helpful book. Of course, here from the stage, though, We know that there is not just a helpful book, but the ultimate book, the Bible. And and so our messages on this subject of boundaries are are coming straight from God's inspired scriptures. And uh, and while uh, Cloud and Townsend's book is helpful, we hope that these messages, uh, divinely inspired as the Word of God is, are also extremely helpful to you. 
Here's the thought that kind of got me kicked off, uh, kicked off thinking about this whole idea of deploying boundaries. You see, when we start talking about actually deploying boundaries, this is where it gets very real because you're going to step up now and, and try to get a boundary established in your life. And most of us are a little cautious, a little timid, maybe even a little afraid about deploying a boundary with people that we love. You see here on the stage here, it's playtime. And uh, because they're doing their drama, we've got a nice living room behind us. And as I was looking at that, I was thinking, man, my family life, that is a place where it's sometimes hard to establish and deploy a boundary because we love our children, we love our spouses so much. And how do we look them in the eye and say, look, we need to change some things. And that, that can raise a lot of fears. Here's the thing, though. Often when we don't have healthy boundaries in our lives, what we're going to find in our relationships is a lot of unhealthy conflict. Because no one really understands where I'm coming from and what my limitations are if I don't let others know what, what those might be. And so establishing boundaries will often be the answer, as, as Townsend and Cloud say in their book, to getting out of uh, relationships where there is nothing but constant conflict and mess and it seems out of control and getting yourself into relationships that are strong and healthy and under God's hand of control. Now, why do we then, if, if so many good things can come from establishing and deploying boundaries, why are we afraid? Here's what often happens. If you've lived with someone for a while without boundaries, and now all of a sudden, you determine that you need to establish boundaries, do you think that leads to less conflict initially or more conflict initially? Right. And since the whole reason we haven't established boundaries in the first place is because we want people to be pleased with us, we want them to love us and affirm us, we don't like conflict, maybe you found yourself saying, well, for the sake of peace, I'm just not going to say anything the whole thought of deploying boundaries is kind of frightening because you know that initially, at the very beginning, when you do deploy those boundaries for the first time, there's very likely to be more conflict, not less. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what can we expect when we begin to deploy boundaries and, and talk about the conflict. And, and the interesting thing is, and, and one thing that I think all of us need to understand is, there really are only five ways that conflict can get resolved. So let's work our way through those. It's in your crosswalk notes. So number one, I, I want you to write down win-lose. So one way to resolve a, a difference or a conflict is you might say, in this conflict, I need to win, and this other person, person, even though I love them very much, they need to lose. Now, when I was raising young children, uh, this was a viable option for me uh, for things like my children not playing on a busy street. I needed to win 
because I had a lot more experience than my children did uh, about the dangers of playing on a busy street than they did. So I just told them, look, I've got experience. I've been around a lot longer than you do. We're going to do this my way. I'm going to win. You're going to lose. And there's a, there are certain situations where you have more knowledge, more expertise, uh, and in those situations, it's perfectly okay carefully to deploy win-lose solutions. But why do you want to be careful with this one? Because especially dealing with family and people that you love, you don't want to put them in the position, often, of being losers. What happens when someone is on the receiving end of a win-lose solution and they are put in the position of being a loser, it often leads to some resentment. And if repeated applications of the win-lose scenario are exercised on that person, that resentment is going to gradually build up and they're going to begin to think, what? Why, did, why does he always get his way and I don't get my way? So be careful with the win-lose solution to conflict. Now, some people are so careful with the win-lose that they choose the lose-win. That's number two. And you know what lose-win is? Lose-win is when you say, I just don't want conflict. I want peace. Let him have his way. Let her have his way. I will just do whatever they tell me and I'll be the loser in this scenario so they can win. And it sounds great, but in the back of our mind, we're making a martyr out of ourselves. And when you begin to make a martyr out of yourself and say, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let them win, guess what also builds up inside you now? The same resentment that you're trying to avoid building up in the other person. This is what leads to big arguments breaking out over a toothpaste cap being left off of a a tube of toothpaste. Because when you see something like that where there's an explosion over what is seemingly nothing, what that means is whoever is exploding has gradually had resentment build up and build up and build up until one day something happens, some little tiny piece of conflict happens, and and there's a huge explosion. And that is a clear sign that resentment has been building up. Resentment builds up when you deploy the win-lose solution. It also builds up if you too frequently deploy the lose-win solution. Don't make yourself a martyr too often. The third one is lose-lose. The way I would... um, the way I would illustrate that is uh, something I saw in a supermarket not too long ago. There was a mom wandering around with her little three or four-year-old child, and the child was running up and down the aisles, and the mom was trying to keep him under control. He was just a little boy filled with testosterone. He was pulling stuff down off of shelves. He was bringing stuff to his mom and saying, can we get this? And she kept saying, no, we can't have that. And then she, she got a little bit more intense and said, you got to stay right here by the cart. Uh, She tried to put him inside the cart. He climbed out. Finally, she said to him, although you could tell she didn't want to say this because it meant losing for her too, if you keep this up and if you won't listen to me, I'm going to stop shopping and we're going home. That's a good example of lose-lose because guess who loses in that? Not just the child, but also the parent who has only limited time to get the shopping done. But finally, she followed through because he wouldn't listen to her. And I watched her lovingly, but firmly, 
march him out of the supermarket and she left her basket full of groceries right there in the aisle. That's an example of lose-lose. This is also something that you don't want to deploy too frequently. You only deploy it if you feel like the lesson that the other has to learn is so important that you're going to take a loss and they're going to take a loss to solve this conflict. The fourth one is no deal. And no deal means we're not there yet. Think about when you're in a negotiation. You're proposing one price for something. The seller is pro uh, proposing a, another price for something. And you're not, you're not getting to the same number. You may want to say, look, we're not there yet. This can happen in marriages. It can happen uh, with children. Uh, we want a certain thing. We're expressing our desire. They're expressing their desire. And we're not finding a way to meet in the middle. And so you just simply say, we don't have a deal. Not yet, not until we talk some more. This is simply kind of putting it off to the future a little bit. And it's an important tool to have in your tool belt because it's important sometimes when you're trying to deal with conflict to be able to say, maybe God will give us a solution if we pray, if we wait. Uh, there's probably a solution coming, but we're not there yet, so no deal. It takes a little bit of patience to deploy this one. The final one, I'll bet you can guess what this one is, right? Tell me what this one is. It's win-win. It's win-win. And this is where you seek the advantage of the other person in your life as much as you seek your own advantage. You seek to have a solution that is, feels as much like a win to them as it feels like a win to you. And often for this, you have to sort of get behind uh, behind what's going on. So for example, here's an example I would use. Guy's at work all day long. He's working hard. At the end of the day, it's been, it's been a long day. It's been a long week. And so he gets home and all he wants to do is disengage. So what does he do? He turns the TV on. He picks up his video game controller and he starts going and a half hour goes by, an hour goes by, a couple hours go by and he is just happy as could be because he is completely disengaged and he feels like, ah, oh, I am just restoring my batteries. Well, meanwhile, while he's doing that, his honey comes home, his wife, and she has had a long day at work. And it's been exhausting. And she went through a lot of different uh, conflicts and, and problems at work, but she, she managed to solve them. She came home. And what does she want to do? She doesn't want to disconnect. She wants to reconnect. So she sits down on the couch, folds her hand, and look at her husband. And of course, her husband, being an awesome husband, he just looks right over there and drops the controller and says, hey, honey, what do you need? Let's talk, right? <laughs> well, that's what happens in our house. Maybe not. Right? So now you've got conflict. One wants to disconnect to de-stress. The other wants to reconnect to de-stress. They both have equal amounts of stress. They've gone through all these things. And, and, and what you have to realize is the argument on the surface is going to be something like this. Why do you play video games all the time? And, you're gonna, and he's going to say back, well, why do you want to talk all the time? 
when in reality, that's not what it's about at all. Both are stressed. One, one has a personality that to distress and recover, they like to disconnect. And this could be, it, it doesn't, I'm just using the male-female thing, but it could be either. It, it depends on the personality God gave you. You might be a person that to restore your, your battery and recharge, you need to disconnect. And maybe it's not a video game, maybe it's a book, maybe you veg out on Netflix, but you don't want to talk to anybody right now, you want to de-stress by disconnecting. Whereas the person you live with loves to talk it out and be reaffirmed and told that they're loved and, 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 and be made to feel like, here's this person that will connect with me whenever I need them to. So a win-win solution in that scenario is going to be a little bit of a negotiation, right? It's going to be how do we accomplish a time of reconnecting so that that person's needs can be fulfilled and how are we going to accomplish a time of disconnecting so that the other person's needs can be fulfilled? It's keeping both person's needs in mind, realizing that we're all different. So here's the thing. If establishing boundaries initially is going to create more conflict, understand the different ways that the conflict can end, and then make one of these a goal. And I'm going to tell you that most often, if you think hard enough about it and you get behind the presenting issue, you can have way more win-win solutions in your conflict. But that comes from helping each other understand one another's needs, and that comes from talking to each other and, and, and setting up boundaries, which is the whole reason why these two guys wrote this book, to help us all have less conflict in, our, in the relationships that are important to us and have healthy, strong relationships. And guess what? That's exactly what the Apostle Paul wanted with the Colossians too. So I want to show you how he sets that up, understanding these different solutions uh, for, for conflict. Let's take a look at what Paul writes in Colossians 3, verse 12. He says, he starts out this way, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. I want you to underline the words, chosen people and dearly loved. So God is not, here's the thing, we're shy, we're timid when it comes to boundaries. God is not. And when you watch God, it's interesting because he kind of has two kinds of boundaries. God draws lines and God draws circles with his boundaries. So here's what I mean by that. God draws lines with his boundaries because certain of his boundaries say, here's the line, don't cross it. Tom mentioned one in, in his... Um, in his confession of sins today, where he said, God established in the Garden of Eden, here's a tree that I don't want you to eat from. There's the line, don't cross it, don't eat from that tree. The Ten Commandments are those kind of lines. I want to have an exclusive faith relationship between you and me, God says. So don't bring any other gods into this relationship. This relationship is not an open relationship. It's a closed relationship. It is between you and me alone. If you fear anything equal to or more than me, if you trust anyone or anything equal to or more than me, if you love anything equal to or more than me, you're crossing that line and that is sin. 
So God draws lines and he's very clear about those boundaries. That's how we know the difference between right and wrong. It's actually a very beautiful thing because God shares his heart with us and says, here's how you do right to me, show your love to me, and here's how you do wrong to me and show me that right now at least you're not loving me all that much. So he draws these lines. God also draws circles though. What I mean by that is God clearly delineates it when he wants us to be on his team, in his family, on his side. And so he draws what I would call a circle of love around us. This is why he sent Christ. This is why he gave us Jesus. So that through Jesus, he could draw his circle of love around you and that you would know clearly that you are inside that circle. Do you see what Paul wrote to the Colossians? He says to them, guys, you're in the circle. You're you're God's chosen. You're dearly loved. In fact, he even carries it one step further. He says, holy and dearly loved. What that means is, guys, even though you sin, even though you're sinful, because Christ has lived in your place, Because Christ has died the perfect sacrifice for your sins. When God looks at you, he says, charge all their sins to my son's account. And I will count them as being debt-free, sin-free, holy, and righteous in my sight. Now that's amazing. That is truly amazing that your God says, My circle of love all the time is around you. You're inside it. You are dearly loved. And whenever you sin against me, whenever you break my commands, whenever you transgress the lines I've drawn, I've forgiven you. Not even I will forgive you, but I have forgiven you because Christ, my son, died for you. When we're thinking about establishing boundaries, one of the very first things that we have to get over is our timidity to establish boundaries. And one of the things that causes us to be timid is we're worried we're gonna cause that other person not to like us or love us or affirm us. And very often that is exactly what happens. When, when I had to establish boundaries or Julie did with our teenagers, they would get ticked. And in fact, more than once, I heard things like this, dad, you hate me. Maybe you've heard that. And I would have to look them right in the eye and say, you are firmly, firmly in the circle of my love. I love you. I will never stop loving you. That circle of my love is always yours. And I'm drawing this line. Don't do it because it's going to hurt you. And I do that too because I love you. And so it's very important for us to understand we are loved because it's only when we understand how firmly and how surely and how certainly that we're loved that we can establish boundaries with ourselves and with others, not worried about whether they're going to all of a sudden start hating us or not affirming us anymore. We're constantly as human beings looking for the affirmation of others. What God gives us is his affirmation. You are my children, firmly and dearly loved. Write this down. Through Christ, 
I'm firmly in the circle of God's love. Therefore, I can deploy my boundaries with greater wisdom. What I mean by that is that when I'm not sure about the love of others, I will tend to bend my boundaries in ways that are not wise because I'm seeking their acceptance or I'm seeking their affirmation or I'm seeking their love. But when I jump off in setting boundaries from a firm foundation of knowing if no one else loves me, I know for sure God loves me. Then our boundaries are done, are set, are, are deployed in a much more wise fashion. So Paul goes on with the, with the Colossians. He says, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What's so interesting about these words is that Paul is writing this letter to a group of people that had violated an important boundary. Not not a boundary of the law, but a boundary of the gospel. When you study what Colossians was all about, what you learn is that this congregation allowed some teachers to come in and, and bend the teaching of the gospel to say, if you want to be forgiven, and if you want to have everlasting life, Christ is not quite enough. You have to trust Jesus and commit to certain ceremonies. You have to trust Jesus and obey certain laws. You have to love Jesus, but also be a good person. In other words, these false teachers were saying Jesus is not sufficient. He's not quite enough. We need Jesus' effort, but we need your effort too. And Paul says, that is absolutely false. In fact, he says that crosses a big line because anyone who thinks that Jesus hasn't done all that's needed has really lost God's grace. And that's a horrible position to be in. We have to get back and realize the importance of understanding that we are saved, we are forgiven through Christ alone. We are accepted into God's family through Christ alone. And so Paul wrote this to them to say, we got to reestablish firmly some boundaries here, and we're going to need to be assertive about that. But now in chapter 3, he comes back and he says he adds some balance to that. Chapters 1 and 2, he's been very firm. It's Christ alone that forgives and saves us. But here he says to the Colossians, the balance to that is even when something is important like the gospel, and you have important things in your life too that you want for the safety of your relationship with your spouse, your children, you want to establish some pretty assertive firm boundaries, but yet Paul says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. In other words, as you read down through that, you're kind of being told, I'm kind of being told, remember in grace to be a little patient and a little flexible with those boundaries when you set them up. Now, if you're anything like me, you might be thinking in the back of your mind, great. 
what are you telling me? Are you telling me that I have to be firm when I set my boundaries? Or are you telling me I have to be flexible when I set my boundaries? And here's the answer. Is the person working with you? If you set a boundary and you're clear about setting that boundary and the person sees your compassion and your patience and your flexibility as a license to treat you like a doormat, you need to get a little bit more firm. You, you have to be, as we have on the banners out there, a little bit more strong in truth. On the other hand, if you establish a clear boundary and the person is clearly working with you, they understand your feelings, they want to make that happen, and they're working at making that happen, but they slip up. They, they make a mistake here or there. This is where Paul says, don't hammer them every time. Be patient, be forgiving, be flexible, be understanding that they're trying, they're working with you. Think about how God treats you in this. Can you imagine what your life would be like every time if you thought a wrong thought and broke a commandment? Remember how Jesus lays this out. If you, if you inside your heart, hate your neighbor, that's murder. What if God treated you as a murderer every time you had a hateful thought? What if God treated you as a sex offender every time you had a lustful thought? And it was just one for one, every time you thought or did or, or said something wrong, bam, there was God's justice. Can you imagine how hard it would be to live life that way? Do you see... Why Paul says, just as Jesus shows us immediate compassion, immediate love, flexibility, and patience, if the person's working with you, you can do the same for them. So here's what I want you to write down. God is full of grace and generosity toward me. I, I think you can acknowledge that, right? So I can be gracious and generous in deploying the boundaries that I deploy with others. I'm not saying never be firm. There, when someone takes your flexibility and your patience as a license to drive over you, that's the time to be firm. But as much as you can, even in important things, be patient and flexible. Now Paul goes on and he says, there is an awesome basis to set your boundaries from. And he calls it a basis of abundance and gratitude. Let's, let's take a look at the next, uh, next passage. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Do you feel at peace with yourself? Do you feel at peace with God, more importantly? Paul starts out by saying, first of all, in everything you do, much less setting boundaries, come from a basis of being at peace with God, which you are through Christ. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And I've highlighted how many times uh, Paul writes this thought. And be, help me, thankful. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude. 
in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul basically says living the Christian life, which includes establishing healthy boundaries for your relationships, ought to be done from a basis of peace and gratitude. And here's how you know whether you're living from peace and gratitude. It's a very simple tell. And the tell is this. Do you feel that you have an abundant life or a life of scarcity? Here's what I mean by that. If you believe that you have an abundant life, you walk through life thinking, how rich am I? How amazingly wealthy I am to have all the blessings that God showers on me day after day. I, I cannot remember the last time I had to worry about a meal. I cannot remember the last time I had to think about not having a roof over my head or clothes on my body. And that's just the physical side of things. I've got people who love me in my life. There's emotional abundance, friends who will care for me, a congregation of brothers and sisters in Christ who will have my back and look after me. And then what about those spiritual blessings? Complete forgiveness of all my sins day after day. Eternal life waiting for me where forever God is going to pick up the tab. Have you ever thought about that? Heaven is going to be pretty cool because you're going to go to breakfast God's going to say, give me the tab. You're going to go to lunch, and he's going to say, oh, no, no, that's my tab. And you're going to go to supper. And these are going to be nice places, I promise you. And God is going to say, I'll pay. You won't have a mortgage in heaven. You know why? God is already building your mansion right now, and he's going to give it to you when you get there. No mortgage. This is going to go on forever. One adventure, one new amazing thing after another going on for eternity. And God is going to say, I'll pay for that. This is our God. We have such abundance, right? But how often do we instead live from a scarcity mindset? I could be so happy if only I had you know, I, I just, I always seem to be struggling for X or Y or Z. God, why, why aren't you taking better care of me? Why do I always seem to get the short end of the stick? And we live in this scarcity mentality that doesn't allow us to treat others and build boundaries for others from a basis and a foundation of gratitude, we're always building those, those, uh, those boundaries thinking, well, if I don't build this boundary, somebody's going to take the little that I've got. Instead, Paul says, realize how amazingly wealthy you already are. And, and, and now build boundaries be truthful about your needs. And this is, this is one of the things that I think is so important for us to hear. Turn the page. I want, I want to fill this in. I want to fill in the blank, and then I'm going to launch into something real quickly here. When Christ is the center of my life, I deploy boundaries from a spiritual foundation 
meaning an abundance foundation, a spiritual foundation of gratitude, of peace. And I exercise godly wisdom because I'm not selfishly trying to just protect myself all the time with my boundaries. Instead, uh, instead I, I, you know, what happens is when we're trying to protect ourselves and we don't have an abundance mentality, we're always building our, our boundaries from an unwise foundation of guilt and fear and a desire for others to affirm us. So we want to build from that, that spiritual solid foundation that, hey, I've been given so much and I'm grateful. My heart's filled with peace. And now I can build boundaries from godly wisdom. See, I, I think here's the honest truth is that we, we often are reluctant to build boundaries because we sense we have this scarcity mentality. And so we start to engage in self-protection. Rather than letting God protect us, we seek to provide all the protection ourselves. And, and this is where Paul's message to the Colossians is so powerful. When, when he says Christ is all-sufficient, he means Christ is all-sufficient for your eternal salvation, for your constant forgiveness, but he also means Christ is all-sufficient to protect your heart. To, to help you with all those other boundaries. Doesn't mean that you don't have to do something. It just means that you can look back to Christ and say, okay, how can I be the right kind of firm here? Too often, when we don't lean on Christ, we start to lean only on ourselves. And this creates a problem. We begin to feel like it's all up to us. And the problem with that is, we have to make ourselves a lot stronger than we are. An important thing to remember is you're human and I'm human. One of the reasons I don't like to set boundaries is I don't want others to know I can't do something. And so humility is required here. The ability to say, you know what, I can't be Jesus. I can't be all things to all people. I can't be everywhere, all the time, filling every need. And too many of us are, are, are not seeing, because we're not sure enough of God's love for us, that we need to stop trying to be Superman or Superwoman. That we need to stop trying to be Jesus to others, because Jesus is the only Jesus. He's the only true God. We're not. And so the thing that I want to say to you is as you go through there, through these points, building your boundaries off of gratitude and peace and godly wisdom, get rid of guilt, get rid of fear by understanding you're human and you have limits and you have limitations. All right, here's the final point. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor 
but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. As you're reading through this, you may think, well, we don't have slaves anymore. Just think of it as employees. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. Have an audience of one. Serve the Lord. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, you could think of it as managers or bosses. Provide your slaves, your workers, your employees with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now, that's a lot of stuff, but one thing is clear, isn't it? Do you see what I highlighted there? Every time Paul addresses one side, what does he always do? He comes back and very publicly addresses the other. If he talks to a wife, he talks to a husband. And he makes it visible. I'm seeking balanced love here. I want wives to love their husbands. I want husbands to love their wives. I want wives to respect their husbands. I want husbands to respect their wives. Children, be obedient to your parents. But parents, love your children and don't frustrate them. Employees and workers, serve your bosses as if you're serving the Lord. Give them that same honor and By the way, bosses, take care of your employees and make sure they have what they need. He always seeks balance. When you are trying to set up boundaries with the people that you love in your life, this is a great point. Seek to have respect for the needs of that other person even as you have respect for yourself. Remember, you're not Superman or Superwoman. You're not God. You're not Jesus, so you have to have respect for yourself, but you also want to have respect for this other person that you love very much. Write this down. When I seek to honor and serve Christ alone, so putting Jesus in the center again, I'm able to deploy my boundaries with balance and find what are their feelings, what are their hurts, what are their needs, Respecting others, but also what are my feelings? What are my hurts? What are my needs? Also respecting myself, not seeing myself as, hey, I've got to be God in this situation because that person certainly isn't going to be. That's going to lead to total failure. You have to respect others and respect yourself. That's balance. That leads to way more win-win solutions when you do it that way. Now, is this easy? I think you can tell by this message. There are, there's a lot involved here. Seeking balance, making sure Christ is constantly at the center of everything, living from a basis of abundance and gratitude. We're talking some major spiritual things going on here that most of us still need more practice on. So do you see how Paul ends it? He says, devote yourselves to prayer. You're going to need God's help. Being watchful. Keep a constant eye on how these boundaries are working out. And being thankful. There it is once again. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The bottom line here is is what you see right on that page. 
grateful within the circle of Jesus' acceptance and affirmation, which we constantly have, I will deploy my boundaries graciously and wisely. I hope you'll check that on your communication card today. I think it can make a big difference in the relationships that you have in your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have loved us consistently and constantly, and you have shown that love for us by sending your son Jesus to be our savior. Lord, help us to live with Jesus at the center of our lives and to know that we are firmly within the boundary and the circle of your love all the time. Lord, as we interact with those that we love in our homes, at our places of business, in our neighborhoods, as we try to deploy boundaries now, healthy boundaries, so that we can have healthy relationships, help us to do that with balance, Lord, and keeping you constantly at the center of everything. And Lord, most of all, help us to do it from a place of gratitude and abundance, knowing that you have our back and that you will continue to bless us day after day because you love us. Lord God, we we pray these things in Jesus' name. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. So just a closing thought for you. As you go out now and you think about the boundaries that you need to deploy in your life, I want to encourage you strongly to think of it as a constant balancing act. One in which you deploy boundaries because your heart is filled with the knowledge that you are firmly within God's circle, God's boundary of love, but also being very clear with those you love what your thoughts, what your feelings, and what your needs are. I think if you do that, if we all do that, we're going we're gonna to have a certain wisdom in setting up the boundaries in our lives and stay connected to God as you do this through prayer. Let me send you out with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Hey, stand up, greet the person in front of you and the person behind you. We'll see you all out on the patio.